Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. Please stand as you're able for our first reading. From James, the first chapter, 17 through 27. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger is not produce growth, does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and go away and go on going away immediately forget that they were what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Word of God, word of life. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, 14 through 15, 21 through 23. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus... They noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. They do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there also are many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees asked them, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. 
All these evil things come from within, and they defile person. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. For this sermon, I am going to take off my mask just to be a little bit more clear when I speak so you can hear me better, and then when I return to my seat, I will put it back on. My family has a cabin, my extended family, my mom's side of the family, in Caledonia State Park in Pennsylvania, about 15 minutes away from Gettysburg. It is there because when my grandma, Janie, was a little girl, her family and all of her nine brothers and sisters, she grew up in uh, Harrisburg area, Pennsylvania, they would go and camp there for the summer. And they take the train out, camp, and then go home at the end of the summer. And then when her generation got to be adults and many of them were married, they said, we ought to build a cabin here. And you could do that at a time. You could lease the land and have a private cabin put on the state park, and it's great. So. In the 40s, literally a log cabin was built. They hired somebody who logged the, uh, the timber from the mountains, the Appalachian Mountains there, and built this log cabin. And so my mom, when she was a girl, they would go out there for a month at a time, right? They'd drive out, go out for a month, and that's where they would vacation be. And then when I got to, when I came along, my generation, our family vacation every summer was to go there for a week at a time. And uh, that's what we would do. Now, with my kids, we're not able to make it that often. There's other things we want to do, but we've been back there several times. But here's what's great about the cabin. It brings everyone together. When we do family reunions about every four years from my great-grandparents, C.D. and Alice Ann, right, and their nine kids, when we get together every four years, there's about 125 people that will gather together. And this cabin is what keeps them close. And there's rules when you're at the cabin about things you can or cannot do. There's traditions. Technology is a big no-no. I remember uh, my mom talking about when someone brought the first radio out there, there was a big hullabaloo on whether or not we ought to, whether or not they ought to allow a radio at the cabin. Because it kind of brings that outside world in and then it makes you think, I'm going to be engaged there as opposed to engage with the other people that are here. Because that's one of the things about the cabin. You can reserve it during the week just for your own family. But during the weekends, anybody and everybody is allowed to come. So I remember as a kid, we'd go. And you never quite knew who else was going to be there during part of your stay. And so technology really isn't allowed. So as we grew up, I remember, could you bring a, a Walkman? a discman, and if you did, depending on the older generations that were around, they may or may not allow it, and you knew if somebody was there, you hid that away real quick, because you took those off, because you're designed to be there, and so the evenings were full of card playing, sitting by the fire, or during the day, sitting on one of the six rocking chairs under the big front porch, reading or hanging out and talking, but it was about being together, right, so you had these traditions, No technology, very limited. There's other traditions that go along with it also, and as I I found out, the way you wash dishes needed to be done a certain way. I remember this was several years ago, now I'm an adult, I'm there with my own kids, and I'm doing the dishes, 
and it's on a well system, so I know you have to conserve water, right? So you don't just run it and do all your dishes where it constantly goes. You fill up a side, you do the dishes, then you rinse them off, and then somebody dries them. So uh, you need to be mindful of it. Well, there's someone of an older generation who came to the kitchen while I was doing dishes, and I was not doing dishes the right way. I was conserving water, but the way I was putting them in, the, uh, in order for them to dry or someone else to dry them was not done the right way, and I had to be informed that there is a way we do dishes at the cabin. Let's just say the next 10 minutes was a little tense between us because I'm doing the dishes, I'm conserving the water, right? What's the point of the way you do the dishes? Not to waste the water. Not, to my opinion, how exactly the dishes are done, right? So after this conversation, I'm thinking, I'm done doing dishes. Right? If that's the reaction, anybody ever feel that way sometimes? If that's what it's going to be, then no thank you. I'm just trying to help doing the best I can. What's important and what's not important. Nothing like that goes on in the church today, does it? What's important? What's not important? Why are we gathering? Why are we not gathering? Jesus is in the middle of having a conversation with people or he's being confronted because Jesus and his disciples aren't doing things the way they have always been done. And they're looking at what is really important about what goes on and what do we need to do and what do we need to not do. And I think also the Pharisees are a little bit threatened because in this section of Mark, we just get done uh, coming out of hearing about healings uh, feedings, miracles, Jesus' following is growing. Maybe the, the power of the Pharisees is being diminished a little bit. And Jesus' authority is growing. And if you ever feel like your power authority is being diminished, how do you react frequently? Anger. Defensive. Who do you think you are to tell now... Do you not know the way things have been done for hundreds of years? Right? Jesus is coming in and challenging some of that. Because I don't know about you, just like the people then, just like us now, we can sometimes lose our priorities, can't we? And forget about what really is the important thing. Why are we doing what we are doing? What are we hoping to get out of it? What is the world hoping, needing? Maybe that's a better way. What is the world needing to get out of it? Are we gathering here for ourselves because we think this is what makes us a good person? The amazing thing about grace, it doesn't matter what you do, God loves you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God loves you. So then the response oftentimes is, if God loves me, there's nothing I can do to make God love me more, then why am I even doing it, right? We do it because it's a better way to live. Because there's people that are hurting and suffering and that need it. So we don't necessarily come for ourselves. Does that make sense? We come because other people need it. We hear about God's love, not just for you, 
not just for me, but God's love for the world. And so we come and we hear and we're challenged and we're hopefully made to think differently about ourselves and about others and then go back out and treat them differently. How do they view themselves? How are they viewing others? And what does that mean for my life and my life in the world? That really is the whole purpose of what we do. Yes, we get filled up. Yes, you come and hopefully get recharged. I hear that a lot. Why do I come to church? Because it helps me be recharged so when I go back out, as if when I go back out in the world, I'm just trying to manage to get through. Does that make sense? And now I have to come back up and get my battery filled up? If that's the case, who is the primary object in that situation? You are. I don't know about me. I don't think uh, we are the primary object when we come to worship. God is, and we are asking to be changed, to know more about who we are, who God is, and what our place is in the world. Which means we ask ourselves, why do we do what we do? What is the purpose behind it? Does it, is that purpose necessary? Is that purpose legitimate? Is that reasoning, does that make sense, the questions we should be asking ourselves? There's nothing wrong with tradition. I love tradition, right? I have a tradition in our household, maybe I mentioned it before, every Saturday morning, what do, we get, what do my family get for breakfast? Does anyone know? Donuts. Donuts Saturday. I love it. Our tradition, Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve, is fondue as a family. We come together and we gather and we smile and we laugh and we hug. These traditions anchor us. Rituals give us a footing or a hold. I think what's been so hard with COVID over this past year and a half, how many people feel like they don't have a footing anymore? Things that seem to root you have been taken away, and now you're just kind of floating around which way is up. So this isn't to say tradition is bad. I think tradition is very good. Traditionalism is what we need to move away from. Does that make sense? Tradition for the sake of tradition. But what does it do? What is its purpose? How does it teach us about God's love? How does it help me understand who I am and who God is and how I interact with the rest of the world? I said this before, right? Whatever you're going through, you are not the first person to go through it, right? And you will not be the last person to go through it. I think that's what's nice about tradition. It puts places us in a long line of people that we are not alone. And we need to be free to start our own traditions, our new traditions, 
to reevaluate, say, this served a purpose, and maybe it's time to say thank you. Not good or bad, thank you. And then something else comes in, and something else is started. And at some point, years down the line, somebody else says, you know what? Thank you to that tradition that was started. Thank you. And then a new one is entered in. And some will last, some will, won't, some will begin, some, right? Does that make sense? The world is the same as it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. So we understand the world, our place in it, and how we move forward within it. To me, that's why we come. Not to just do a certain thing, to become roped, we're filled up, now we go on our way. That's an aspect of it. But that is an aspect of it. That's not the end of it. I love the way this, the, the first lesson ended. If you want to open it up, right? Religion is verse 27, right at the bottom. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. To care for orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep one unself unstained by the world. It's not saying you don't have a place in it. But there's place for everybody. So as you go through your week, I hope that you hear what we sing about, what we read about, what we talk about is God's love for you, God's love for the world. And then when you go, may you do, act, live that love for you and for the world. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.